Welcome to the Chan with the Plan, the podcast. This is the very first episode, and I'm excited to start this show off with a bang as I brought in a former Facebook HR leader to help me discuss how top tech companies hire their talent. His name is AJ Mises, and he is a talent and HR leader with over a decade of experience within career coaching and human resources, and has been featured in NBC, CBS, Fox, the International Business Times, and Yahoo News. He's supported global teams of over 3,000 people and currently serves as the CEO of The Human Reach, a human potential institute guiding high-achieving professionals to land their dream careers in record time and coaching Silicon Valley leaders through executive coaching. Most recently, AJ has left Facebook as a global HR leader where he supported an international team and launched many innovative leadership programs under his guidance that are still in full swing at Facebook today. With all that being said, let's dive right into my interview with AJ on how top tech companies interview and hire the top talent out there. Hey, AJ, how's it going? Good, Max, how are you? Great. So how does it feel to be the very first guest on the new Chan with the Plan podcast? Man, I am stoked. I feel like I hit the jackpot. So thanks for having me as your first guest. Really appreciate the kind words. I'm really trying to help professionals with their careers via asking various experts to come onto the show, such as yourself, to help them with of various things that they need help with, such as career advice, networking, how to get into top companies. As the show progresses, I might move to more self-improvement, such as communication, how to people manage. But for now, I'm going to go right through the basics of how to connect and how to get into the top tech companies in the world, such as Microsoft, Google, and in your case, you were in HR in Facebook. Can you tell me more about your time at Facebook? Yeah, absolutely. So um, well, once again, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, and I'm excited for you in this new podcast. But I was most recently at Facebook for about four years. I was a global HR leader there for um, one of the business units at Facebook for all the US and uh, in some other continents um, around the world. I supported 3000 people there and led an HR team. Um, and prior to Facebook, I had an experience, I've had experience in big tech, uh, namely in recruiting. Uh, prior to Facebook, I was a recruiting director and then also a VP of people at a solar software company based in Oakland. So uh, lots of experience in HR. I started um, in HR about 10 years ago in learning and development. So I've been on all sides of the fence when it comes to people in HR. And, uh, and now I'm starting my own thing. Nice. So from looking at your website, so you were working as a Exactly that recruiting firm, correct? And then you went to Facebook for HR. So in between those two, I was the VP of people for a solar software company where I did oversee recruiting and talent acquisition, um, but I also helped with people engagement and culture work and learning and development as well. Okay, so you've done people management from an HR perspective and you've also done yeah. recruiting, right? Yes, I have. Nice. So tell me more about how, for example, just for Facebook, what type of people do they look for in a tech companies such as Facebook? Yeah, well, you know, I th it's, it's changed over the years. But in in the most part, Facebook is is looking for people who are builders. And um, I, I would also argue have an entrepreneurial spirit. And when I first started at Facebook in late 2016, early 2017, 
it was we would joke all the time that it was a grown a grown up startup um, that we like to maintain the startup mentality and we were oftentimes competing for talent with startup companies and and I agree that it was definitely a startup vibe at Facebook. There was very little red tape. People were kind of doing what needed to be done in their business group. And as we grew from you know 2017 when I started to uh, 2020 when I when I left, we we grew up. There was a lot of of big shoes to fill in terms of you know moving from I think we were 17,000 people when I started, and we were about 80,000 by the time I left. So as you can imagine, that's an insane amount of growth, a lot of people, a lot of injection of new talent into the company. And with that comes a need for a different type of person. And so, you know, Facebook looks for people who are builders first and foremost, who want to build for the future, who are um, are inventors, both, you know, in the sense of engineering, but also on other parts of the business and sales and business and HR and recruiting, et cetera. And we look for people who are self-sufficient. And I want to say we, now it's they. <laughs> uh, they look for people who are self-sufficient and who are quite accomplished in their career and who are folks who can who can press the mold. And I think um, that, you know, big companies tend to attract lots of different types of people, but Facebook in particular attracts a lot of, of folks who are, who are inventors, who are uh, people who are going to challenge the status quo. Um, so uh, that's at a very broad stroke. So AJ, with that being said, in terms of attracting all types of people, is uh, online applications for tech companies such as Facebook or Google, Microsoft, is it a waste of time? Like, it's, it's better just to try to network and get a referral, or is there yeah. a purpose in applying online? Yeah, that's such a great question. I... I'm a firm believer, and the statistics show that about 80% of folks in big tech, big tech companies, so when I'd say that, it's FANG, so Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google, They 80% of people who come in are referrals. And so uh, and, and that just by pure law of science is the people that you hang around typically are, are also like you. And so when we can bring somebody on to Facebook from somebody who knows somebody, um, it, it's a higher likelihood that they're going to be successful. So applying online can work. And there's definitely cases where, you know, big tech companies are hiring people from an online application pool. But more often than not, in fact, 80% of the time, um, it's, it's happening through referrals. So with that being said, yes, you said 80% has been hired via referral. So that means 20% you can still get through through online applications. So one of the things that a lot of professionals are currently complaining about is do recruiters read every single resume? So let's say you have a job at Facebook or Google, let's say it's a marketing manager position and there's a thousand applications. Do the recruiters actually read all 1000 or let's say they look at the first 200 and then they shortlist the 10 uh, and then bring five in for an interview. So how does that work? <laughs> yeah, it depends. Um, it really depends on the role and how many people have applied. But I will definitely say there are whole teams at Facebook who their number one job is just to look through the application funnel. And so they, they, their, their whole job is just to look for people who have applied online and then pass those applications on to another person on the team that then kind of takes them through the screening process. So we absolutely look at every application. Um, it may not be the recruiter looking at every single application, but there are teams of people whose job is to make sure that the, the folks who are applying are meeting the basic qualifications for the role first so that we're spending the time with folks who have the highest likelihood of passing through the interview phases. 
Go, going to, uh, a step back, you said that it's not always the recruiter that looks at the resume. There's other teams. So what do you mean? Is it, for example, let's say I'm applying for an engineer position and then someone on the engineer team for that specific uh, project that will actually look at the resume is not actually necessarily the recruiter. Is that what you meant? Um, so it's actually a, a part of the recruiting team. It may not be the person that you that you speak with that is that is looking through every application. So uh, resume review team is is uh, a very common thing in larger companies where either all the referrals that get put in through the funnel or all the people who are applying online, there's a whole team as part of the recruiting function who's looking at the resume. They, their title may not be recruiter. Um, that, that's the, the clarity point that I'll add there. Okay, uh, thanks for clarifying that, AJ. Uh, in terms of online applications, I'm assuming it's the standard resume cover letter. Is there any part of the online application that would help someone stand out if they haven't been able to network uh, at these companies yet? Yeah. So I I always tell people who are looking to get into different companies that you never wear a bikini to a funeral. And so what I mean by that is your resume has to be completely tailored to the role that you're applying to so that as you know, a person reading it is picking up and saying, wow, there's some synergies between what we're looking for here on the job posting and what you have here on your resume versus, you know, applying to something with a general resume that that you are, are sending out everywhere. So, um, and then the other thing too, um, and this is universal, not just at Facebook, but there are things called applicant tracking systems, which will score resumes based on how closely they match the job description. So picking up keywords from resume, matching them to the job description and assigning a score to it. And so the number one thing that I tell folks is that you have to make sure that your resume is tailored, that you're using the language in the job description on your resume so that um, you you have a higher likelihood of passing it to the next round. This next question is going to be a bit controversial, maybe even fun. So <laughs> I'm on LinkedIn. I have a good online presence on LinkedIn. And there's a lot of these experts or even professionals that have all this advice about ATS and they're trying to game the system. So the keyword stuff it. So mm. with that being said, um, yeah, you can go on these resume optimization softwares and you get like a 90%, but then they apply and they don't get anything because mm -hmm. obviously, even if you pass the ATS, the recruiter, whoever's going to look at it is going to be, okay, obviously they're just trying to game the system. So they're not, they're not actually qualified. They're just trying to cheat, right? So what's the balance between tailoring the resume to fit the job description, but not go so far that it looks like you are just trying to satisfy a, a quote unquote robot? <laughs> yeah, you never want to lie. That's that's definitely uh, not what you're what you're supposed to do. Um, but what you, you just want to make sure that as you're describing the different values or the different things that you've accomplished in your role, that it makes sense, and you're using keywords from the job description in those different bullet points. And so one of the biggest common mistakes people make is taking their job descriptions from their current employer or their last job and listing that on their resume. And um, and then sticking that into a keyword funnel. And so then what you get is kind of this like Frankenstein job description on someone's resume. And so what I say is, is first you have to take your resume and turn it into value props, right? You got you to gotta take each of those bullet points and quantify things where you can and talk about things you've accomplished rather than things that you do day to day in your job. And then go look at a job description and start using those keywords or, you know, changing around some of the keywords in there so that you most closely resemble the uh, the job description. Okay, so in terms of uh, qu quantity of keywords, do you just need to have the keyword in there once or is there a certain number? 
Well, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not involved in building the algorithms on ATS systems, but what I will say from the clients that I work with is that as, as long as it's in there one time, then you're good. I think when it starts to look fishy, and this is just like a human AJ saying this to you, Max, um, is, is if you start to see those keywords pop up over and over and over again in a resume, they, they, then they start to not really make sense that well. And you also start to look like you're repeating yourself. So I, I personally tell my clients, one time is enough. Okay, great. So now everybody listening, you don't have to keyword stuff it. You just need to <laughs> put in the word once on the resume and then you're fine. Okay. Uh, so with that being said, obviously there's going to be a lot of keywords in the job ad. So how do you, do you say, I'm going to pick five to 10 uh, good keywords from the job ad and then put them in? Like, is there a specific count or how should one go about doing that? Yeah. Um, one of the clues that you can look at in a job ad is how many times they have certain keywords. So if you're noticing that, let's say, project management is in a job ad like 14 times, then you absolutely better have project management on your resume. Or if you have something, if you notice budgeting is, is mentioned a few different times, then that better be a significant part of what's on your resume. Um, so it's not it's not like how many keywords is as many as as will fit purposefully on your resume that makes sense with the context in which you're describing the the value and the accomplishments that you've had in that role so i you know i, I don't i kind of hesitate from giving you a, a an exact number just because it, it needs to make sense um and not look like it's robotic kind of like you were mentioning earlier yeah for sure we got the keywords and the, the structure of the resume down in terms of a bullet point perspective but let's talk about Formatting. Uh, I personally don't like two-column resumes. I'm not sure if the ATS or recruiters like two-column resumes. Again, like I said, I, I prefer the one-column resume. So in terms of layouts, what are the specific sections of the resume that should be used when it comes to applying for top tech companies such as Facebook? Yeah. So first, um, obviously, your header. Your, so your name, your contact information, a link to your LinkedIn profile is great. Um, we don't really care about addresses so much. Um, even when I was back, when I was recruiting, I didn't really care about where people lived. It was mostly what was, what were their accomplishments? Where did they work and, um, and tenure at those different companies. So first it's your header, it's your name, your, your, uh, email address, your phone number, your LinkedIn, then it's kind of what I call the bio section. So just a, um, you know, three to four sentence, descriptive of who you are as a professional and what value and skills that you have from a high level, the types of companies that you work for and what you're passionate about. And then I, I go into a skills block. And so this is a really great place to stick in those keywords. And a skills block basically is just a list of those skills that you have, um, both things that you've gotten certifications for or different areas of expertise that you have. And then we go into the experience bucket. And your experience bucket is where you list all of your companies, the roles that you've had, the dates of employment that you were there, and then again, your accomplishment statements. So not what you do day to day, but what you've done and accomplished. And those things typically we recommend are as much as you can quantify what those things are so that you can put some tangible-ness around what you've accomplished. Um, and then typically after the experience section, we like to have a certifications or education section to talk about those different areas. So your schooling, if you've gotten certification, any type of programming language or uh, project management certificate or HR certificate, whatever it may be. And then I, I'm typically a big fan of 
um, like hobbies or, you know, think extracurricular things outside. It just makes you more of a human and it makes you really interesting. And you'd be surprised at how often that part of your resume comes up as a common point for interviewers to generate rapport. So um, I always recommend like a, a hobbies or a, you know, what you do outside of the office type of, of section at the end. All right. Thanks, AJ. And uh, can you do us a favor for those that are taking notes and don't want to rewind? Can you in 30 seconds summarize each section very quickly? Yeah. So first it's your header. So your name and your contact information, LinkedIn, then it's your bio section for sentences about who you are. Then it's a skills block. Then it's your experience section with your companies, how long you've been there and your accomplishment statements, um, schooling certif certifications, and then finally your hobbies and things that make you a human. Great. And in terms of uh, formatting, as I said, it should be one column or a two column style resume. Uh, in terms of length, is it one or two pages? How far back of experience should you go? Yeah. So I say the last 10 years of experience, if that's two pages, then so be it. Um, but nothing definitely more than, than two pages. And one column is my preferred way to read it. I just think you can fit more content on there. Two columns, sometimes it looks pretty with the, you know, the different designs that you can do with two columns. But uh, for the most part, you're trying to tell people what you've accomplished and there's more space to do that with a one column. Oh, it sounds great. We didn't really talk about cover letters. Do uh, Does Facebook care about cover letters or is it just a straight <laughs> resume now? Well, um, I think depending on who you ask, you'll get a different answer. I think cover letters are a complete waste of time. And um, I do talk to clients about you still have to make them. There's, there's, there's still companies who require cover letters. But the very first thing that recruiters look for, Facebook or you know otherwise, is your resume. And then they typically click on your LinkedIn. So your LinkedIn needs to match your resume. Your resume needs to tell a great story. Cover letters are going to be the tertiary thing that people look at. Um, but sometimes some companies do require them. So it's, it's good to have one uh, ready to tailor if you need it. So with that being said, you, you submit your application uh, with the resume, uh, possibly cover letter. Is there... I, I know some bigger companies that they want you to refill the information on their portal. Um, I don't know if Facebook does that. I've never applied to Facebook, but do a lot of these tech companies do that in terms of here's your resume, but then you also have to type in all your work history manually. If that's the case, do people have to fill it out or can they just attach the file and then be done with it? Yeah, I believe, I mean, I haven't applied to Facebook in a long time, but I believe that once you upload your resume into Facebook, it parses all of your information for you. So you don't have to type it in manually. So, but if, if an application does require you to type it in manually, I highly recommend it because it's going to build your profile on the back end for the recruiter. Nice. So even though the, the resume is going to say almost the exact same thing as what they're going to fill out in the online application form, it's still better to cover both your bases, right? hundred percent. Absolutely. In terms of the other side, uh, the other 80%, the networking, how should one go about uh, networking? Obviously what the one quick way to do it would be doing uh, LinkedIn, uh, where you find various people at Facebook that you want to connect with. Uh, so how should one go from A to B in terms of, so let's say I want to work at Google or Facebook or Microsoft, how do I go about networking properly in order to get referred in for an interview? Well, the first thing I'll say about networking is companies like Facebook and every fan company, actually, all the employees in those companies are incented to refer people. They, they literally get paid if if the company hires somebody they referred. So the very first thing to do was kind of take out this mind block that like you're bugging people or it's, you're going to be annoying. 
that is not the case. Um, in fact, it's quite the opposite. So by you reaching out to somebody, you're actually helping them because if they bring in somebody that they referred, they're going to get paid. Um, so that's the very first thing is get your mindset right. And then the second thing that I recommend is, of course, yes, LinkedIn, like you just mentioned, Max. Um, but the other areas that you could that you could really start um, networking in are, are places like Slack channels, people in your area of expertise. You could go into Slack and find you know experts in project management or experts in data engineering. Um, you could go to virtual meetups like uh, meetup.com and, and meet folks in that regard. Um, there's a new app called um, Clubhouse where you could start a channel and have a conversation around data engineering with a bunch of data engineers and you can meet people that way. So there are tons of, of ways that you can network. The key part of this, though, is that you have to remain consistent. And if, you, if you're just interested in getting a job, but you're not actually committed to going and building out your networks so that you have an easier time getting into these companies, you won't go anywhere. So you have to be committed, you have to stay consistent, and you have to explore other things outside of LinkedIn. That, that's a good point because I've talked to professionals and they tell me, hey, everybody's saying that networking is the new thing or it's easier to get referrals for an interview via networking. And then they say it doesn't work. And then I ask them, how many times have you networked with people? How many people did you reach out to? And then they'll say a small number like, oh, I reached out to five people and no one connected with me. Or I reached out to 10 and only one person was willing to give me a conversation and then nothing happened, right? But as you said, AJ, you have to consistently build because it is a numbers game and not everybody is going to respond to you. But the more people that uh, see you in terms of visibility, the higher chance that one of these people is going to say yes and move your career direction forward. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree with that. I, I've had similar experiences with my clients, the folks I work with. So yes, it's a hundred, it's hundred percent a numbers game. It's, it's, you have to stay consistent and uh, you have to hold yourself accountable and you have to block time off. I think that's another trick too, is, you know, if you're currently employed and you know that you can only maybe do 20, 30 minutes a day, block it off on your calendar. And that is when you're doing your networking. That's when you're doing your reach outs. It sounds good. So what type of messages should uh, people call outreach with? Well, I think it depends on the types of, of roles. But generally, the, the, the key thing that I tell people is you're not there to ask for something. And so one key trick that I'll tell you and, and the listeners here is that if you can get someone that you're reaching out to to say yes to you three times, you're actually more likely than not to get them to say yes when you eventually ask them for a referral for a job. So I'll give you an example. Um, so, hey, Max, my name is AJ. It's really nice to, uh, to see your profile here on LinkedIn. I, I definitely want to connect with people like you who are in project management. Um, do you mind if I ask you a few questions? Yeah, absolutely. Great. Um, so I'm just curious, um, have, you, um, have you found it pretty easy getting to work at XYZ Company? Uh, yeah, it's um, it's fairly easy uh, getting to work. You you mean getting to work like getting into the company, or you mean like traveling to get to work? Yeah, getting to the company. So getting into the company. Did, oh, okay. Oh, oh there's about like travel. Uh, no, no, it's uh, it was fairly uh, it's fairly easy. Um, I had a friend that worked there, and he said, "Hey, are you interested in joining the company? We have we are currently growing exponentially." And I was like, "Sure, uh, let me see what the opportunity is." And then we had a quick conversation, and then. My friend referred me to the person that was actually hiring for that role. And then I had a proper interview. Uh, it was a, about a few stages. But then a couple of weeks after the final interview, uh, the hiring manager presented me with the offer. 
That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that with me. And um, you know, your your story really resonated with me. I'm, I actually have some questions around me possibly getting a role at your company. But before I do that, um, I just had some quick questions around how I'm presenting myself here on LinkedIn. Would you mind answering uh, some questions for me or just helping me out? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Okay, great. So we'll kind of pause the the experiment there. But you see that I asked three different questions around um, a way to get a yes from this person from from you, Max, before I've even asked about a particular job that I saw posted or um, asking for a referral. And that's just uh, the law of psychology. So, um, so what I recommend again is just starting a conversation online via you know DMs or PMs and asking asking questions that get three yeses before then going in for it for the big ask around getting referral for a role. Nice. So speaking of my uh, hypothetical uh, interview process with XYZ <laughs> Company, how um, are interviews conducted at tech companies differ with uh, regular companies? Yeah. So the the interview process with large tech companies tends to be pretty drawn out and long. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Um, it's a long process. And that's just because hiring is taken very, very seriously, just like it is at every other company. But I think um, as large companies continue to grow, they realize that the, the more interview steps there are, the likelihood of them getting a higher signal on whether or not someone's going to be successful or not is increased. So uh, I'll tell you, from my role at Facebook, I interviewed 12 different times for, um, for the position that I was hired for before I was given an offer. And that's not um, that's not uh, atypical. That is um, pretty much just the standard. So what I what I would say is you have to be prepared for for a long process. The great thing is that everyone that I interviewed with Facebook were asking me different parts of my background, different parts of my leadership philosophy, different parts of how I approached designing and building HR programs and recruiting programs. Um, so it was a really interesting process because I got I got to talk a lot about my background in a lot of diff, uh, a lot of great ways. I got to meet with the clients that I would interact with, um, but you have to make sure that you have a lot of great stories to tell your interviewers at these companies because um, they're not going to be like you know tell me about they're not going to be hundred percent of tell me about your philosophy about X Y Z thing. It's going to be like what would you do if or tell me about a time when. And you have to be able to come up with these different scenarios so that you start to bring your value to life. And so, um, and I would say that's that's for for all roles. And then for engineering in particular, if you're interviewing for an engineering role, a programming role, software engineering role, et cetera, you're going to be doing a lot of practicals. And what that means is you're going to be doing a lot of whiteboarding. You're going to be doing a lot of answering algorithmic questions. And it's yes to see if you can arrive at the right answer, of course. Um, sometimes there's not a right answer. And then it's about the process by which that you got to that answer. So talking through the way that you're thinking about a problem, or you're thinking about writing a piece of code with the interviewer in the room so that they can get an understanding of, okay, this is how AJ thinks. This is how he thinks about solving these complex problems. This, this is something that he would try, and this is how you would go back and fix that. So sometimes, again, it's not about arriving at the right answer, but really giving that interviewer a glimpse into how you think. Okay, you said there was 12 interviews. Was it all um, spaced out like week after week or how yeah. did it work? Yeah, so it started with a phone call, a phone interview with the hiring manager, my first boss at Facebook. And then it turned into a, um, a video chat interview with one of my, who would be one of the clients. 
And then I was brought on site and I met with five people on site, which were each about 30 to 45 minutes. And then it was um, my boss's boss on a video chat interview. And then it was the client again. So um, lots of lots of different folks. Once the final interview is done, how long does it take for them to get back to you in terms of presenting you with a final offer? Uh, it was like 24 to 48 hours, I think, if I remember correctly. It was very quick after I finished. Well, that's a that's very quick, depending based on the fact that I took that long with all those interviews. <laughs> yeah, once they're once they're ready to pull the trigger, they pull the trigger um, and they move quickly because they know that great talent is typically actively interviewing at other companies and they want to make sure to to get folks um, a, 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 an offer as soon as possible so that they're they're not competing. That, that, that makes sense. Like Silicon Valley has, um, I believe, a shortage of talent, right? So they want to poach these people as quickly as possible, I'm assuming, correct? Absolutely, yes. Uh, on a little uh, off-topic question, so there's a lot of debate in terms of how long should you wait until you quote-unquote follow up um, after you finish the final round of an interview. They're saying like you should wait one to two weeks before you follow up, but just based on what you're, do, uh, what you're stating, you're saying that if someone wants you they'll usually give you an offer within a couple of days. Yes, I, I do. But I, I have a funny story about that. So when I was, uh, this wasn't at Facebook, but I was a recruiting director for a company in San Francisco. And we were getting down to the wire, helping this company hire for a pretty senior biz ops role. And there were two finalists and both were awesome. We were going back and forth. Okay, who do we make the offer to? These These two candidates are incredible. And literally, it came down to who sent the thank you note first. That was what helped them decide to make the offer. So my my biggest mantra that I say about follow-up is follow-up the second you get off the phone with a thank you note because you never know what could be the final decision-making point that that company's using. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. So <laughs> there's these experts that say, oh, you should... Obviously, you should send a thank you note within 24 hours, but you're saying right after the interview. Like, don't wait. Don't, don't do this uh, political correctness and wait a few hours and then send it. Just send it right away. Like, who cares? Yeah, that's what I say just because of that experience that I had with that one client who that was how they made the decision is who sent the thank you note first. So uh, they wanted the, the person who was on it and uh, that person got the job. One final question. Uh, in terms of, as you know, with COVID and the pandemic, uh, there's a lot of work from home. And I believe Twitter and Microsoft has a good majority, if not all the employees working from home permanently, even when the pandemic is over. So with that being said, how can someone new come in to any tech company, build rapport and make a good first impression when everything's remote and you don't actually meet these people face to face? It is so hard in this day and age to do that. But what I will say is that there's a lot of technology that enables you to develop rapport and, and it just might take a little bit of adjusting. So if the company that you're working for uses Slack, like is there a social Slack channel that you can join and start you know, sending funny gifts and getting, people, getting to know people? Um, can you have virtual coffee chats? Can you do virtual happy hours? Um, can you do a virtual walk and talk um, where you meet with your peers or other cross-functional partners for 30 minutes and just talk about who you are as humans and, and get to know each other? So I think the the biggest thing is to take action and don't sit and wait for somebody to tell you, hey, this is how you can get to know so-and-so or you know, you wait for somebody to put time on your calendar. Be that person who is proactive and put time on other people's calendar. Explore ways that the company has adapted to to build that social connection 
and it just engage, like put on some floaties and jump the hell in um, because that's that's how we have to do it now and until we can get back into the office. Well, absolutely, AJ. There's well, there's a will, there's a way, right? So with that being said, uh, again, really appreciate the time you've donated to help all the professionals out there that want to either try to get into a tech company uh, for the first time or just trying to um, know more about how tech companies operate in terms of the interview process, the job application process. Uh, how do how can people find you to learn more about uh, what you're currently doing and how and what are some of the or one of the major projects that you're currently working on? Yeah, so you can check me out at The Human Reach, which is my company. It's www.thehumanreach.com. And uh, I have a special gift for your listeners. If you want my uh, my top 10 resume hack guide, you can visit clients.thehumanreach.com slash gift. And uh, you can get a free gift for me. It's a free resume guide. Um, and later on in January, I'm launching my online course, which is called Career Amp. So if you're listening to this in January, head on over to the website and uh, you can check out my course, which helps you land a job in a tech company from A to Z. Well, thanks, AJ. That seems like very good educational learnings to really help professionals accelerate their job search. Thanks. Yes, I'm excited. I'm excited. And I, I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on, Max. This has been really fun. I would like you to uh, leave a quote for all the job searchers out there starting the year 2021 without a job or they're looking to move to another company. What advice in one or two sentences uh, you can provide for them to start their uh, job search for the new year? I think it's, um, it's something I said earlier, which is you have to move from being interested in changing careers or changing you know, companies to being committed. And when you're committed, then you take action. When you take action, then that's what, what brings success. So uh, move, move from being interested and committed, and you're going to hit it out of the park. Well, thanks, AJ. So this was a great conversation again. And best of luck with your human reach a company and the course career amp. Uh, I'm definitely would not be surprised if you got tons of people jobs based off this program that you're currently creating. Thanks, Max. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. All right. Take care. Wow. What a great conversation with AJ. Definitely a lot of insights for our audiences to take away in terms of applying for these top tech companies, specifically and especially Facebook. What I want to do now is just recap a few points that I think is very important for my listeners to take away in order for them to create better resumes, how to network properly in terms of getting into these top tech companies if that is what you want to do in your career. Number one is from a tribute character mindset. Tech companies are looking for builders, individuals that are proactive, self-efficient, and want to challenge the status quo in order to move the company and move themselves forward. From a hiring perspective, no surprise, 80% of new hires are via referrals with 20% coming from online applications. So if you want to get into these top companies, again, networking is still the best option. If you want to do the online application route, that's not a problem. AJ highlighted how to create a well-formatted resume no more than two pages, one column, you have your header at the top, your bio, then skills, 
then experience with each of your roles and responsibilities throughout your career, your education, and then if you want to personalize your resume, add in some interests slash hobbies. And the last tip I wanted to summarize was the thank you email. Usually career coaches tell you to send a thank you email within 24 hours, but AJ is telling you to send that thank you email as soon as the interview is done because as he told us, they were tied between two candidates and they said to themselves, whoever sent the thank you email first would get the job. So don't wait, just send it as soon as the call is over because you never know what they are thinking on the other side. Overall, this is a great conversation to kick off my podcast. I hope you all enjoy it. Again, I'll be releasing one new episode a week and hopefully you can take the learnings that I have given you through my interviews in order to better your career and improve your life. Till next time, enjoy the rest of your week.